online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show, Socially Distanced, uh, with Bob and myself. Uh, we'll be reflecting this hour on... To, we were trying to think of other words other than defeat, but two defeats um, against Nottingham Forest and Sheffield Wednesday this week since our last programme. Uh, I, I quite like the word outing for the Sheffield Wednesday game. Uh, <laughs> you know, our, our outing to Sheffield. Yeah, no, it makes it sound more like a trip, doesn't it? An excursion. Yeah, you know, they, they decided to have a, a sort of a, a bit like a school trip. You know, they, Gareth arranged a field trip up to Sheffield. <laughs> Uh, uh, and you know, and 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 almost uh, possibly the game could have actually got called off had it started at seven forty-five. I'm pretty confident that actually it, it, they wouldn't have completed it because the snow was uh, coming down quite impressively towards the end, uh, to the point that actually you couldn't really see what was going on uh, on on I follow. <laughs> you couldn't hear too well for a time as well. More, more on that shortly. Uh, also, this evening we'll be uh, catching up with Vince Faulkner, uh, a former Wanderer. Uh, we'll be uh, hearing from current Wickham Wanderers ladies and uh, member of the uh, helping out with the uh, media team, Alicia Povey, as well. Plus, we'll catch up with Jack Fowler, who's an apprentice. It's National Apprenticeship Week uh, with the Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust. But first, we must say a very big hello to you if you're listening in the United Arab Emirates. Indeed, we must, uh, because we had an email from from the United Arab Emirates uh, giving us warm greetings and telling us that we are actually... Um, That's what we want, warm greetings at this time of year. Warm greetings from the UAE. Uh, we're, we're ranked 200 in sports podcasts uh, in the UAE. Uh, and we thought, wow, that, that's pretty good. I wonder who's who's like two hundred and first. I hope it, I hope it's the Peterborough United podcast. <laughs> Controversial. No, absolutely. That's it's a fantastic position to be in. So yes, I, I, I was going to tweet on uh, Tuesday night because uh, they were losing to Ipswich, so I, I nearly tweeted, you know, well at least Peterborough are losing, and of course they came back to win. So I was glad that I didn't. <laughs> nearly had egg on your face there. Slightly, yes. So we better we better start with Nottingham Forest, um, which feels like again it's the trouble with doing these shows, isn't it? When you when you have a game on a Saturday and a game on a Tuesday, the Saturday fixture seems quite a long time ago. Uh, yes, uh, and you know, and it definitely was one to forget, uh, wasn't it? So, so going down three 0 to Nottingham Forest. Um, and you know difficult now and and maybe that's just the memory of it to actually find very many positives to say Um, you know Forest were were good they were clinical and yes probably 3-0 actually was a a fair result in the end I think especially disappointing because we'd spoken previously about you know these upcoming games are against teams in and around us obviously Forest being the the first one and they've struggled of late as well and you think this is definitely a, a winnable game for us yeah, uh, and that that's the the frustration I think of the whole season is that we have played really well against certain teams, Bournemouth, Norwich, Watford all come to mind because obviously they were in the Premier League last season. Um and Gareth has said and and it, I think it's a completely fair enough thing to say because I think all of us watching as well have thought, wow, if we play like that, you know, the whole time we'll be absolutely fine. The trouble has come when actually we face teams like Nottingham Forest and we haven't played like that. Um, and, you know, and, and Forest, to be fair to them, were really good. They had Glenn Murray playing for them, who, of course, was at Brighton last season, spent the, the first half of this season on loan at Watford, where for reasons unknown, uh, he wasn't really uh, picked to, to play. Uh, he clearly came on and had a bit of a point to prove. Um, and, you know, and he, he was really, really good. Uh, obviously scored their first goal. Um, and, yeah. Definitely, he he was the difference. I felt. 
So Gareth was speaking to the media after the game on Saturday. Obviously the defeat today, Gareth, but you uh, can't really give away goals like you did the first two. <laughs> we, we gave we gave two goals away, you know, and, and that's, you know, I don't want to disrespect Nottingham Forest because they've scored a fantastic third goal, but the first two goals we've given to Nottingham Forest and uh, if you do that, you, you're going to be out of games, you know, we, we had a plan, we wanted to play a certain way, wanted to force Nottingham Forest to play a certain way, we did that. But we don't play offsides, you know. That was a that was a, a poor mistake, and then and then the second goal again, you know, the penalty. I think it's a real soft penalty, but seems seems to be going against us at the moment. Uh, the referee's given that two 0 is a tough ask against any team, never mind Forest. Is that a case of an experienced player using all of the experience and gaining, obviously <laughs> getting behind for the first goal, when he's not one of the quickest players, and gaining the penalty as well? Listen, there's quite a few players in their team that play in the Premier League. Um, there's very few in my team and I think this is the story you know that the, the, the golf in the two clubs is, is evident of course it is but Wickham are in the championship we want to do everything we can to stay in this championship but when you're up against quality players like that you know you, you've got to give that bit extra we made too many mistakes today they didn't make enough for us to capitalise on and, and that's the story again my question to you is I've been in this kind of situation before but who picks the manager up? <laughs> The manager doesn't need picking up, believe me. I'm, I'm absolutely fine. I, I am in dreamland with Wickham in the Championship. Really am, you know. I've got a bunch of boys in there who are so disappointed. They're so down because they really want to compete. And sometimes things go against you, you know. But we'll be picked up for Tuesday without a shadow of a doubt. By the end of February, this club is going to know where it's going to be. Um, we've got some big, big games now. The schedule is going to be tough, but we're well up for the fight. And I can't wait to go to Sheffield on Tuesday. I certainly didn't see a lack of effort from this side. But obviously, I think you're one side that would benefit from having your crowd here. Without a doubt, you know this place being full would make a, a hell of a difference. We've said that already. I think there'd be five or six points better off, and that would put us in, in distance of the, cha- of the of the pack we're chasing. But you know, I can never ever fault these boys' effort. They gave me everything, and as a manager, that's all you can ask. You know, if they give you your best, and it does, and it's not quite good enough, what more can you ask? It's their best. I'm pleased. I'm proud. I'm willing to go to Sheffield on Tuesday and try and get a result there. A couple of things to pick out from that uh, chat with Gareth. There was one uh, that you noted about the penalty. Um, yeah, I, I definitely felt that actually it was a penalty. I, I, I don't normally disagree with what Gareth's got to say. Um, but basically, we sandwiched the player between uh, Josh Knight and uh, Jack Grimmer. Um, and then Jack didn't really help things by actually looking like he was trying to take, take the player's shirt off. Um, so I did think, yeah, it, it was a penalty for me. And a really interesting observation that by the end of February, we'll know where we are. And that's <clears throat> is a very interesting thing to say, g- given, I think, A, the fixtures that we've we've just had, um, and admittedly that was obviously before the, the Sheffield Wednesday game that Gareth was speaking there, but also just looking at the, the games that we've got to come. Um, so this Saturday we are away to Huddersfield, which, you know, they've had quite an inconsistent season, but clearly that's not going to be easy. You know, they, they were in the Premier League, not last season, but the season before. Um, then we play Wayne Rooney's Derby, um, who do seem to be improving now. Then we're away to Millwall. Well, that's you know that's never particularly easy, um, and then we're home to Reading and Norwich, uh, which you know uh, again uh, it's it's probably almost as hard as it gets really in the Championship. Um, whereas definitely when when you looked sort of at the the fixtures and you thought well we're we're going to play Birmingham and we're going to play Nottingham Forest at home and then we're away to Sheffield Wednesday though you know the, those were the games where you definitely thought oh yeah we we could get three points um, out of each of those um, and the fact we've only come away with one 
um, I think is you know it, it is quite telling as to where we will be um, at the beginning of next season. And interesting, the reporter saying about giving away goals, and we'll hear in a few moments' time as well. Gareth talking post the Sheffield Wednesday game about mistakes. That seems something that keeps cropping up as well. Yes, and uh, again, you you can't really make these mistakes in the championship, or if you do, you are going to get punished far more than you do in leagues one and two. Um, and you know, and again, that that has been one of the differences this season, hasn't it? Is is that we always do seem to get punished every time? You know, we've had we've had some luck, particularly go against us, uh, where you think, uh, and and definitely it happened on Tuesday night, where you know we really looked like we should have had a penalty when Anis Mametti was fouled uh, in the first half. Had we taken the lead against Sheffield Wednesday arguably that would have been a completely different game um, but of course as it was nine minutes later they went down the other end uh, and they scored um, and so yeah I, I feel that we haven't necessarily had the luck this season but at the same time we have made you know a few too many mistakes um, and I think also you you have to look at Ryan Alsop and say you know he's been absolutely phenomenal this season um, and has very much kept us in games um, and has very much kept the, the scoreline respectable uh, you know we, we have a lot to thank him for. He he is, uh, you know, one of the players that definitely comes out of this season with uh, a lot of credit, and he would be my player of the season at the moment. Fantastic! Well done, Rocky. Indeed. Uh, Gareth spoke to uh, Matt after the game. Gareth, we've been here a few times already this season. Uh... Some hard luck stories in it, but ultimately just not enough to, to get yeah. in from tonight. Listen, what a fantastic place! First of all, you know, working at Hillsborough, what what an iconic stadium. Really, really proud to be here. Um, mistakes, uh, yeah, always cost you, you know. And we made uh, a couple of errors. The second goal, especially, I think there's a couple of errors I can pick out there and uh, won't do it in public. But behind closed doors, we'll we'll be putting that right. Um, the boys have given me everything again you know I can't ask for more I thought Kadeem Harris played really well for them first half especially caused a lot of problems but then we sorted that at half time and, and sorted the way we wanted to defend against them and, and we got much better um, one goal and you're always in it you're always in it and um, it was uh, the second one was a killer it allowed Sheffield Wednesday to slow the game down do what they wanted and we were chasing it then from, from that moment so the second goal really is very disappointing for me but um, no proud of the boys that good bunch and uh, we've got more minutes into Anis, Namdi, Admiral you know these young boys getting minutes in the championship can only be a good thing for Wickham Wanderers and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to Saturday now. Both teams had heavy defeats on Saturday the first goal was going to be key there was a penalty shout <laughs> the same referee denied us for two stonewallers in previous games and it, it looks to be another one I, words escape me for this honestly they do please have a look at that and tell me it's not a penalty and and uh, I'll crack on but I, I for the life of me the young boy Anis makes a fantastic run in the box um, and as he shoots he's he's taken out and he, he I, I, I don't know why it's not a penalty only Gavin Ward knows that uh, and I'm not going to ask him because I will get myself in trouble because I will say a lot more than just asking Huddersfield on Saturday another trip to Yorkshire hopefully the weather's a bit better on that day um, they are another side within reach um, a side that haven't been on great form yeah. how important is it to keep the boys spirits up after tonight and going to that one listen we're game by game here You know, I don't want anyone looking at the table going right we need this we need that we go game by game I want to get minutes into the boys I want to enjoy our time in the championship and I want to be aggressive and go for it that's why we played Anis um, 
three centre forwards, you know, today, um, and a really attacking lineup. Lineup, um, and again, I'll, I'll be going for it Saturday. You know, there's no point sitting back and thinking like, can we soak things up and get a draw? Must stay in the game. I want to go for this. I want to go and attack teams. Um, we've got a great amount of forwards here. You know, Uchi's been rested a little bit tonight, so that's great for him Saturday. Um, I thought Anthony Stewart and Taffers all had good games at centre back. I think they they commanded really well. Um, no, there's a lot of positives, but um, we got beat, and that's uh, that's hard to take. Um, don't like getting used to it. Make sure we uh, we're competitive Saturday night. It's really important, and Huddersfield are a team we can beat. I think Sheffield are a team we can beat. We just didn't beat them today. Which is what we said originally, wasn't it? That that, you know, that both those teams, Forest and and Sheffield Wednesday, are teams that are certainly beatable, and, and Huddersfield as well, as, as he alluded to there. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, and you know, and we we drew with Huddersfield earlier on this season. Um, again, it's, it's it's not going to be easy. It's away. Uh, you know, they've still got some of the players that that they had in the Premier League. Um, but I think yes, uh, that is the slight frustration is that particularly with Nottingham Forest now, it's the second time that we've lost to them this season, and really, you know, they 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 aren't they they aren't as good as they should be, or certainly they aren't as good as you know as they used to be. Uh, and the fact that we haven't picked up any points uh, at all, and and just yeah. It was just slightly disheartening, I think, to you know to to see how easily they won in the end. And there was some significance to the number five on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so uh, we we must apologise to Wickham Wanderers, um, who are currently borrowing our ISDM box um, because of the COVID restrictions uh, and because of the fact that uh, Phil Catchpole, um, because he is a BBC employee, um, is is not necessarily allowed in in certain parts of the country at the moment. Um, it all sort of stems back from the whole tier system, and, and when London was then put into tier four, which is where Phil lives, um, it was deemed that. Actually, they were going to keep their reporters pretty much sort of like where they were, so they didn't have to do too much travelling around the country. So obviously, that has had a huge impact uh, actually on football commentators. Now, Phil normally does the commentary for Wickham Wanderers, normally takes his own ISDN kit. Um, but anyway, that hasn't been possible, um, I think, ever since Boxing Day and the, the Bristol City game. Um, so Wickham Wanderers asked us whether we had whether we could help them out with an ISDN box, and we did give them an ISDN uh, ISDN box. Uh, but uh, apparently the, the number five gets a little bit sticky and doesn't always work properly. Um, and then on Tuesday night up at Sheffield, uh, the ISDN number that Matt had to dial contained two fives in it, um, and our box decided actually not to work. So that was why, uh, if you were listening to the first half uh, of the commentary, uh, basically you heard uh, Matt and Pete Kuhig, uh commentating on mobile phones and it did say it, it sounded very sort of like 1970s or 1980s-esque if you used to listen into the like european cup ties that were broadcast then that's how it sounded retro football commentary there we go it was great it was really good Explained. and peter Fuhig was excellent by the way he was very entertaining as a football commentator <laughs> there you go there's he your was. there's your explainer explainer Indeed, uh, it was uh, yes. So, so we apologise and I hope that you know, hope that our ISDN box works um, uh, up at Huddersfield. Maybe yeah. it just doesn't like Yorkshire or the snow. <laughs> it doesn't like temperatures below freezing. I think that's probably got something to do with it. Still to come, we'll be hearing from Alicia Povey, who plays for Wickham Wanderers Ladies and also is helping out the media team. But first. Indeed, it is a National Apprentice Week, apparently, uh, and uh, Wickham have their very own apprentice at the moment in Jack Fowler, and Colin has been catching up with him. Well, uh, an apprenticeship is uh, something that you can do whenever you want. An apprenticeship is something where you can learn a new skill or a new trade. 
So if you're unsure of what you want to get into full-time into a permanent job, you might want to do an apprenticeship to learn a new skill and trade to see what actually suits you and what suits you best. So what exactly is your role at the Wigan Wanderers Sport and Education Trust? So currently I'm the digital marketing apprentice. So um, that involves me doing all the social media side of it. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But that also involves me working on the website and all different things like that. But also I've got great support from everyone at Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust to support me during this because, like I said before, I'm learning a new skill and they're helping me to do this. And do they make you feel part of the team? Does it, it doesn't feel like you're only sort of there temporarily as an apprentice. You actually feel like you're kind of part of the group. Oh, 100%. I mean, as soon as I came in, they made me feel welcome, feel part of the team. They got me involved in all little team-building exercises to break the ice. So, yeah, I feel 100% that I've been there for more than I actually have been because they've been so supportive. And being an apprentice sounds much better than work experience. Is it kind of like a step up from that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, because with work experience, you can have like two weeks work experience. But I think with an apprenticeship, you're there for a longer time and you get to build more working relationships with people, which allows you to succeed. What would you say has been uh, the best thing about being an apprentice? Oh, that's a very good question. What's the best thing about being an apprentice? I think working with um, different people all around, because with work experience, you're very much stuck with the people who you work with in the company. But with the apprenticeship, it's allowed me to work with other people around the Wickham area, because we're quite a big charity in the local community, to see what their views and their opinions are. And that's allowed me to improve my work on my side to help the local community and it must be great just generally to be involved with the sport and education trust for the club yes 100 percent. i mean the uh, sports and education trust and the club do quite a lot of good work together and the main part of my role is to promote different activities and little things we're doing but to most importantly get the community involved and from the feedback we get the community are happy with what we're doing and that's what we do best and it must be such varied work as well yeah so for example i sometimes could be doing social media posts about a health project we're doing so for example doorsteppers and then maybe the next day i might be out taking photos going out and about during schools obviously not now currently to do with the pandemic but taking photos for a different project for example, uh, primary stars. So, yes, it varies, but it's quite nice it varies because, again, you learn different things and different skills. And it must be so nice for the profile of both the club and, and your work as well, just to say, you know, we can win the championship. That must make it so much better, if you like. I don't know how long we'll be in the championship for, but, um, yeah, it's a very good thing that we're in the championship. And, again, it does boost certain things we want to promote because being a championship club is a step up from being a League One club. But, no, it's a really good thing, and let's hope Wickham Wanderers could stay in the uh, Championship. It's not looking too lightly, but let's hope so. No, definitely, fingers crossed. And I know you're involved in football coaching as well, so it's a real nice kind of crossover thing that you do. Uh, you have that, that, that football, but also that you're working with the club as well and the, and, the, and the charity in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, nice to sort of... Because, obviously, with the marketing side of it, I am on my computer, even though I'm helping the local community, I am there. But when I get out, it's nice to see people interact with people and sort of help them face-to-face, face face if I can. 
and see how I can support them in that way because the whole aim for Wickham Wanderers and Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust is to help the local community in whatever way we can, whether it's mental health or whether it's in our sport department or education. It must be such a rewarding way of spending an apprenticeship as well, because I guess, you know, there are many people who do apprenticeships, you know, kind of office-based or, or more kind of hands-on trade type work, but this must be something that, that you really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I am really enjoying it because it just gives me a variety to my job. I'm not stuck in doing work on a computer in an office or I'm out and about doing different little bits and pieces, which, again, like I say, it gives a variety of my job. Because I think sometimes you're stuck in an office, it can make it a little bit oh, I don't want to do that all the time. But having a variety gives me something to say, oh, I, I'm looking forward to doing this today. Or if you're looking ahead to your week, then oh, I'm looking forward to go coaching on a Wednesday, stuff like that. And it's great that there's this apprenticeship week to really kind of highlight the, the work and the, and the role that apprenticeships have. What would you say to anyone who's considering um, taking up an apprenticeship? I would say um, go for it. I mean, when I came out of uh, college, because I studied uh, two years of media at Amersham and Wickham College, um, I would say go for it because I wasn't too sure of what I wanted to do. And apprenticeship gives you the chance to learn a new trade, but sort of start to realise what you want to do in life. So you don't just jump in straight away into a job that you might not be happy in. Go learn something that you want or you think you might have an interest in and then see how you get on for the year or two. And then you can decide what you want next. And great for companies to take on apprentices as well. Yeah, it's great for companies to take on apprenticeships because, um, again, like I say, it's sort of something that helps boost your confidence. You don't have to get chucked straight into a job full-time if you're not too sure how to do it. It you sort of helps build your confidence and then build personal relationships so you can understand what the whole role is about. And has it, has it felt a bit special this week, being Apprenticeship Week? You think, oh, well, I'm doing an apprenticeship, it's Apprentice Week, I'm an apprentice. You know, it's, 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 it's really great that this is being highlighted. Yeah, I mean, it's um, super it's highlighted because I think at the moment it's quite difficult for some people to think about all oh, what they're going to do after GCSEs, A-levels, that sort of thing. So I think Apprenticeship Week is quite a, it's a really, really good week because, again, it reminds people of the opportunities that are out there and it's a sort of a supportive stepping stone into people's future careers. That's fantastic. Well, leave it there. Enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the rest of being an apprentice as well. Uh, what, what do you hope to get out of it at the end, by the way? I'm hoping to get a uh, digital marketing uh, it's like a degree. I think it's level three, so that would be good. But I think the main thing is just building uh, working relationships in the work world and just improving my confidence through that. I think an apprenticeship sounds much better than work experience, doesn't it? It, it, it definitely does, um, and I, I thought Jack was brilliant in just, he, he was very, very honest, wasn't he? Yeah, no, <laughs> very. <laughs> His assessment of, uh, of everything, really. It does sound really good, though, to be, you get to, you know, work in so many different areas as an apprentice as well, I think, of, of yeah, wh- yeah. whatever organisation or business that you're in. Yes, yeah, you know, and, and uh, that really came across, actually, and uh, really came across how much, uh, obviously, that the club are, are looking after him as well, which is really, really good to hear, um, because, uh, you know, the, uh, from my sort of apprentice uh, work experience type type um, uh, opportunities that I've had, you do seem to end up making quite a lot of tea, but it doesn't sound like that's happened to Jack. Yes, and moving things. I remember I did work experience at um, the warehouse of Woolworths. 
Wow. Okay. It wasn't my choice. They just kind of put me there because uh, all my choices were just rejected as, you know, everyone else had gone for those. So, yeah, a lot of lifting and carrying things I did. Out for those younger listeners, Woolworths was a great <laughs> It doesn't exist um, anymore. You used to have fantastic pick and mix and you can also go and buy uh, CDs and tapes. Uh, oh. If you're not sure what those are, then they'll on the internet. <laughs> It's very cultural references this week as well. I'm enjoying it. Uh, still to come, we'll be, chat- we'll be hearing from uh, former Wickham Wanderers defender Vince Faulkner here at Wickham Sound. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on uh, the Wickham Wanderers show, we will be catching up with Wickham Wanderers ladies uh, player Alicia Povey, who also happens to work for the club at the moment. And she plays futsal. Are you aware of futsal? I'm not, No. It's like it's 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 a bit well. I shall explain, but it's it's kind oh, of is it, is it is it like the sort of like like uh, it's a sort of six aside version. Yes, indoors. That's right. I think there's a smaller ball as well, but there's a lot of skill and speed involved, which is why I wouldn't be very good at it. <laughs> and it's not one of those six aside. They they don't like have sort of like stuff that you can rebound it off. I don't think. I think it's it is just played like on almost a normal, not a normal pitch, but you know what I mean. Yes, the ball can go out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's not like those old six-a-side and five-a-side tournaments that they used to have, like at Wembley, where, where you could bash it off the, 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 the side and stuff. I know what you mean, yeah. Because Wickham did really well in one year in one of those, didn't they? They did. I thought they did well in two years. I, thought, I, think, I think you're right, yes. I think we're, the, we're, uh, we're, we're still the defending champions of the evening standards That's right, yeah. Side, yeah. Which is pretty good, you know, but especially considering it's a London evening standard and we're not even in London. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Intruding on their turf. All right, I'm going to look that up now. <laughs> yeah, do. <laughs> Top. Live research on the show. Uh, First, however, I've been catching up with uh, former Wanderers defender Vince Faulkner uh, to find a bit about uh, his time at the club and how it started. I am a local-born boy. I lived in Abercrombie Avenue um, with my mum and dad and my sister in the early days um, until I was nearly 21 before mum and dad moved up to uh, Hazelmere. But uh, so bred and born in the town, lived in Abercrombie Avenue, which I suppose, as you say, is literally halfway between... Lokes Park and Adams Park, um, situated quite nicely. Grew up there, went to Green Street Primary School, went to Malen Senior School, and obviously followed the team because in those days, uh, Wickham in, uh, coming up to the 57 Cup final, Paul Bates, Len Worley, the Truett brothers, all of those guys were my idols and my heroes, and I used to go up there every week and um, watch them. Little did I know that, um, you know, some... So a few years later, I'll be playing with, with a few of them up there myself. So, uh, you know, really, really uh, interesting. That must have been a fantastic feeling to, to actually, kind of, as you say, be part of the team that, that you'd supported. Well, it was because, as I say, went to every round of the 57 era when they went through the final. Obviously went up to see them play Bishop Auckland at Wembley when my dad and mum watched every round, as I say. And then some six years later, there I am playing with Len Worley and Paul Bates and a few of the other guys, and, uh, you know, really, really was uh, rewarding. Because you get the feeling from speaking to sort of different generations, if you like, of players, that their particular era was very special, but but that era, and obviously the one that you played in, it must have felt uh, extremely special at the time as well. Well, it was special. Um, As I say, growing up in the town, supporting the boys, and then, you know, becoming a member of the team afterwards. And obviously, uh, as you're probably aware now, I'm a member of the Ex-Players Association as well, so it's continued on over sort of 55 years now and um, you know I'm still heavily involved with the club so uh, you know it gets better and better as time goes on And are there particular matches or, or, or games or, or goals or experiences that, that especially stand out? Um, well yeah there's a, there's a couple obviously the, the very first senior game that I played for the club was against um, as an away game against Leighton Stone midweek 
uh, we went down there. I think that just in actual fact won the Amateur Cup. We went down there and we won 4-2. So that was at the end of the 63-64 season. And I was, I was just 16 at the time. So that was quite rewarding as well. And then later on uh, through times, there was one I was funny enough just looking at this morning. Ian Rundle, who was the twin centre-half, God bless him, who passed away a number of years ago, with John Maskell, the goalkeeper at the time. We'd got some paper reports that... Uh, we hadn't conceded a, a goal at home with the defence for, I think, the first eight games. I think it was the 68 season. And, um, of course, lo and behold, that's a commentator stroke paper curse because the next game against King Sterling at home, I went and conceded probably the best own goal that's been seen at Lokes Park. It flew past John Maskell. Um, he never moved. So that's another goal, but that was the wrong end of, of that. I then did score against Enfield. Enfield, I think, again, were just coming up to... Uh, to win the league and they played us in a, it was a Friday evening game at Lokes Park and um, I did get the only goal of the game so that was quite special as well. So in doing some uh, what we can loosely term as, as research for our chat, there, uh, there's a headline I came across called the five second goal. Ah, right, well, I was coming to that. <laughs> I was coming to that because at the end of the day, my playing career when I finished at Wickham, the end of the season of 71-72, I spent two years at Marlow two years at Maidenhead and then um, the manager of Chesham, uh, Brendan McNally, came across for me and uh, I went over to Chesham where I finished my career. And of course, as you quite rightly say, the um, the semi-final of the uh, Barks and Bucks Cup was played uh, at Chesham. Um, I was skipper at the time over at Chesham and um, we had the natural fact change the, the defensive situation to accommodate for the Wickham front line. But of course, Wickham won the toss, they kicked off and within five seconds, my co-centre-half, um, Pete Johnson, had unfortunately headed the ball into his own net. So uh, that uh, that uh, did uh, do us. But I did score in that game, in actual fact. I did score against Wickham um, from a from a corner, I think it was a corner or a free kick. And um, But we lost in the end. But we did win that um, final that year because, unfortunately, Wickham um, got suspended from that game because they played an ineligible player in the semi-final. What was it like playing against Wickham for you, someone who spent you know such a long time at the club? Well, it was different, as you can imagine. Um, I'd only done that a couple of times. Uh, I think once when I was probably at Maidenhead, I think we played against Wickham. But uh, it's a different thing because obviously there were still players there that um, you know had followed me at Wickham, and I knew Dylan Evans and, and various other bits. I think Tony Horseman was still playing and various other people. It, it was a different experience, but um, but nice as it was. And what about managers that you played under at the club? That must have been quite an interesting sort of I experience. Played under, I played under three managers. Don Welsh, he was the first one I played under. That was back in 1963. He just joined the club like I did. So I played under Don Welsh, followed by Barry Darville, and then, of course, by um, Brian Lee. And um, obviously Brian's on our ex-players committee along with myself and uh, all the other guys. And, um, yeah, so uh, very fond memories and uh, the three people that I played under. I guess they must have been very sort of different people to, to have as managers, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you can certainly say that. Obviously, Don Welsh was... Uh, was 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 a well next player obviously he played with he was the uh, captain of the winning Charlton side in the I think it was the forty seven Cup final, um, so he was a different type of guy. Barry Darville um, was very friendly and uh, of course Brian Lee was very professional, and um, yeah, it's a totally totally different ball game under under Brian. And how do you reflect on your time playing now? Because obviously, you know, you see the team now they're obviously fully professional and even in the second tier of English football. Uh, how sort of different that was to, to your time. 
Well, yeah, it's very different. Um, I mean, say obviously the game is a lot quicker these days. Um, the pitches are a lot better. Um, they're like a you know a snooker table, whereas we played on mud baths and various other bits and pieces. And it's quite fortunate actually because I spend all the home games down at Wickham with. John Taylor, or affectionately known as JDT, and um, John Bignall, um, as I've been on the committee, do a lot of hospitality. Uh, we take the players that are not playing on the match days, we take them around in the hospitality suites um, over to the Woodland Suite and to the sponsor boxes and get to know the players quite well. And, you know, there's a, a very, very good feeling in the dressing room there, although obviously the results are not going their way at the moment, which is disappointing. But there is a, you know, every player that I've spoken to that I've taken round, every one has said that it's the best dressing room they've ever been in. Gareth runs a very, very tight ship, but a very good ship, and, uh, you know, they all love playing for him. And does that really take you back to the dressing rooms that you were involved in as well? Well, they were slightly different in the end of the day. Very good, but, you know, we had a, if you can imagine, we had a wood fire burner uh, in the centre of the dressing room that used to smoke out. You know, the old sunken bath and various other bits. But uh, now we had a good camaraderie. Gordon Summerfield and Jock Shepherd were the trainers all the, at, the, at the time, the physios at those times. And we used to have some tremendous chats and fun with them as well. So uh, uh, lots of good memories, lots of good memories. I wish there was still a wood fire burner in dressing rooms today. That'd be excellent. <laughs> well, in actual fact, the real, I think it was Charlie Gow, God bless him, another one who's, who's sadly passed on. But I think Charlie Gow did finish up with that wood burner eventually when um, the dressing rooms were all come down when, when they moved to Adams Park. But, uh, yeah, no, it was... Uh, it was a, a totally different dressing room, but a very good and very lively dressing room. It's incredible how the different generations change, isn't it? I've, I've spoken to former players who've said that the manager would give out rations of bacon and tea at half-time if particular players had done especially well. You can't, you can't imagine that happening today. <laughs> well, no, not really, no. They all expect it on a plate, I think, but... Uh... No, they do very well. It's, um, you know, the lads down there, the current squad down there are very good at the moment. Obviously, we've missed out this, um, you know, this season. We've only been to the one Coventry, there was a Coventry game when the crowds were allowed in through the pandemic. Um, but no, it's, it's been very good. And you mentioned, obviously, your involvement with the Ex-Players Association, and we, we've spoken to JDT on the show as well, and it, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it, that you've got so many generations of, of different players who can, you can share their experiences? That's right, yeah, well, we go right back on it. So the oldest player, I think, or the oldest player is, is, is in his 90s, and it goes right back, you know, we're trying to get Gareth to join and various other people, but, uh, no, it, it's, uh, it's very good. We've got over 100 members, I think, currently at this moment in time, and, um, you know, we have very... Well, I think John's explained to you, we have four events a year. We do a quiz, uh, we do a golf tournament, so we do a bowls day, and then, obviously, the big uh, club dinner at the end of the year in November. But, uh, of course, obviously, the pandemic, um, this, this current time, has knocked those all on the head. And it's certainly not a cliche to say is that there's a real family feel about the club. Throughout the club, and I think this has been endemic really right from you know when the club was formed in 18, uh, whatever it was, 60-odd. I mean, say that, that it is still as, as, as a family club as it ever was, ever was. And, it, and it's still to this day, it's brilliant, absolutely superb. And it's fantastic for youngsters to you know hear sort of stories from you know, people like yourself to, to know the history of, of the club and, and, and how, it's, how it's developed. Yeah, well, in actual fact, Keith, um, Samuels and, and myself, we did, although uh, Brian Lee has done it as well, and so has John Bignall done. We worked with SET on going down and taking the schools, um, giving them a tour around the ground as well, uh, which they thoroughly enjoy. I mean, so they're youngsters of uh, sort of early teenage years, and, you know, they really get involved in, um, in the history of the club. 
it'd be fantastic to hear you know what you've done sort of since your your playing days sort of came to an end with the club as well, especially. Uh, well, in actual fact, um, obviously with having children of my own, um, my son. Uh, so I've got a daughter and a son, but my son started playing because um, when we were married in our first years, we lived in in Downley, and um, we used to run. Well, I was part and parcel of Hitter Croft Boys Club. Um, so I finished up being chairman of uh, the club after a, a number of years, after working with some tremendous people on the committee up there. I was also secretary for the Selk Bucks and Star Minor League for a number of years as well. Moved up here to uh, Buckingham in 1988. Uh, so my son by that time was 16, so we'd finished um, basically with Hiddercroft. Came up here, subsequently then turned into having grandchildren, and I've uh, been involved with Dean's Hangar Boys Club up here, um, which is a village uh, where my daughter lives, just down the road. And my two grandsons have played for that club. And with my son-in-law, Steve, and myself, um, I've assisted him in sort of managing and co-coaching um, the, the, the squad up there, which we've just finished the under-16 level this last year. So... Basically, my football career has just finished. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it must have been so nice for you to be involved in the game for so long, and also have the connection to Wickham as well, with the you know showing the players around as you say. Well, it is really, and I've obviously I still you know to this day I still bring my my two grandsons um, because they live locally to me. They come down with me to watch the games as well. And when my um, youngest grandson, who lives down obviously with his parents down in Bude, he comes up, he comes as well. So, um, yeah, still got a very, very tight connection uh, with the club. Really great to hear from uh, Vince Faulkner. And uh, it's, it's always been fantastic speaking to, to former players on the show. Really, really nice interview. Really interesting. Uh, many, many thanks um, to the, the Ex-Players Association uh, once again uh, for setting us up with the interviews. Ask me who we've got on next week. Who, who have we got on next week, Colin? Mark West will be live on the show. Oh, cool. That'll be really good. Super striker hero. He's very he's like Roy of the Rovers, isn't he? Uh, indeed, yes. Yeah, I, I can see that image now. <laughs> part, th- <laughs> part three of the Wickham Wonder Show on the way next. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wicker Wonder Show. It's, it's going... like a good show, doesn't it? <laughs> it's going quick, this show, isn't it? It, it, it really is, yes. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this bit now. Um, so uh, if you have seen any Wickham Wanderers media uh, recently, you might have seen interviews by Alicia Povey. Absolutely, who, who actually happens to play for Wickham Wanderers Ladies as well. And uh, you might have read on the club website, there's a really interesting kind of profile, if that's the right expression, sort of talking through what she's done and uh, what she's doing. Yeah, that's it, really. What she's done and what she's doing. <laughs> I was going to say there's a third thing, but there isn't. What there's... she's going to do. <laughs> yeah, maybe that too. Uh, but we had a bit of a, a discussion, didn't we? We weren't sure at first uh, whether it's uh, her name is pronounced Alicia or Alicia. So apparently that's quite common. Uh, a lot of people have the same issue, uh, but she's known as Squish. Well, that's nice and easy. Here's why. It was actually before Wickham, so when I joined Marlow, no one could really pronounce my name. It's spelt not phonetically, so it's spelt like Alicia. So I always had to pr- be like, oh, no, it's Alicia, like Patricia. People call me Lish, and then one of the girls misheard and said Squish. Ah. And then it just stuck from then. So it's now <laughs> been, like, about ten years Maybe longer, actually. Wow. 15 years that I've been called Squish. <laughs> it's a good so, story, though. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to just say, well, if you can't pronounce it, just call me Squish. <laughs> yeah, sounds more fun. It's like a little children's character, isn't it? Too. Even when I went to Spain, where it's it, like Alicia or Alicia is a really common name, there wasn't a single one of them. And they would call me Alice instead, which I thought was really strange because I oh, thought, okay. oh, I'll go to Spain and 
finally people people pronounce my name in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly I became Alice, and I was like, oh, this is really boring. (laughs) This hasn't worked well at all for me. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought a good place to start would be um, how you joined Wickham Wanderers Ladies, first of all. When I joined Wickham, I think I was 15, um, so that was a different Marlow, actually. It was Marlow United rather than Marlow FC. And I'd been there since I was about 11, and I'd just been playing at school before then. And I'd sort of got to the point, I was captain, and basically I went for trials at Reading and Arsenal and didn't get through. And both of them said that I should be looking to play at a better level. So then I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess Wickham's the nearest one. And at the time, actually, we were in the same league as Marlow. So I was used to playing against Wickham. And I remember the coach at the time, the Wickham coach, Andrew Morton, he came up to me at the end of a match when I was playing for Marlow and I had scored, but I think we'd lost like 6-1 or something. And he said, oh, you always score against us. Have you ever thought about scoring for us? And at the time I hadn't really thought about it. But then after those trials, I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And then, yeah, I moved over to Wickham when I was 15. And um, yeah, I didn't really look back after that. And you must have seen a lot of changes in the time that you've been at the club as well. Or with the team, I should say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot has changed in my life and a lot has changed in the club. So when I joined, as I mentioned, there was a coach called Andrew Morton. And that was when we had two under-16s teams. We had an A team and a B team and the ladies team. Obviously, since then, we all moved up and there wasn't anyone to sort of fill the younger age groups at the time. So maybe this this is probably 2015-ish. So we all moved up. And yeah, we've had, I think there's been five or six different coaches since I've been there. We've changed home grounds numerous times. So we used to play when I first started doing um, like open age football. Our home ground was in Stoke Poges, just outside of Slough. So um, yeah, we were Wickham Wanderers playing in um, Stoke Poges, which was a bit of a funny one. But yeah, I mean, things, I think the club um, has given us a lot of support recently. And obviously it's great that they're in the championship and we I think since I've been in the women's team we've been promoted four times I'm going to say I'm going to go with four so obviously we've been progressing the men's team has been progressing so yeah a lot has changed but to me I don't know it still sort of feels like the same club I think out of the players that were about when I started there's just myself and Charlotte Bagshaw who's the skipper so yeah lots of different players but it still kind of feels like the same the same team as when I started. And have you noticed a real increase in interest in women's football generally just in the time that you've been at Wickham alone? Because obviously since the, the national team has done so well at the World Cup and, and there's a real kind of extra interest, it seems, in, in, in girls and women playing football as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, when we started playing, like, as I mentioned, we were in a we were in Stoke Poges and we'd get, like, our friends and family would come out and watch, but it would sort of be like 10-ish people. And I was quite surprised when I re-signed with Wickham last season that there was sort of, there was quite big crowds at some of our games. Obviously, this was pre-COVID. So, yeah, I think there's, there is growing interest. And I think people are sort of starting to realise that, obviously, I think things with the men, like men's football has got so expensive some, over the years. So to go to a Premier League game as a family is just so expensive. And people are sort of starting to realise actually women's football is a really good alternative, especially for families. So yeah, I think it's great. There's definitely more girls that are interested. And yeah, I think there's a lot more clubs than when I was 
younger. So obviously at the when I started playing, there was Marlow and there was Wickham in the area. But I think if I looked now, there's so many youth teams. And obviously we've got, we always get a lot of interest from people who want to play for Wickham. So yeah, it's great. And we spoke off her as well about your time in Spain. You played there as well. How does that compare in mm-hmm. terms of the sort of the interest in women's football and the kind of the level, if you like? It's an interesting one because when I so I I went to Barcelona and then I went to Malaga, so two quite different places. Um, and I found it more difficult to find a football a women's football team than futsal. So futsal is the like an indoor sort of similar to football, but a bit different. So potentially not as big of a thing as I thought it would be. I thought going to Spain, which is obviously like football mad, there'd be like loads of women's teams. It wouldn't be an issue finding a team, especially in Barcelona, which is the second biggest city in the country. But I still had to travel half an hour across the city to find a team. And there wasn't as many as I thought there would be. And in terms of like crowds and things, definitely not not as many crowds as in the UK. I don't know why this is, but I think there is kind of more sexism. And obviously this this was a an idea in England a while ago, and it still is for some people, is that women shouldn't play football. And I think that that sort of opinion is still a bit more like accepted in Spain, which is potentially why there aren't people who come out to watch um, the football. But I mean, they've got, They've got a really good league in, I think, the Primera Iberdrola, which is the like top women's league in Spain. And that's growing a lot. Obviously, that sponsorship deal with Iberdrola is great. And the fact that Real Madrid now have a team. So I think it's growing. But I think it's actually behind England and the UK, which is quite surprising, really. And you mentioned futsal. Is that something that's really helped your game? Because it's, it's much more kind of skill involved, isn't it? And quite a bit quicker as well. Yeah, I mean... So I came back from Spain and I was playing futsal at university, which was great. It's a, it's a good level. Um, I was at Bath and we were in the top league for futsal. But yeah, I moved back home and there's a team in Reading, which we've only just formed. But yeah, it's, it's a really good... I don't like saying that it's a development tool for, for football because a lot of people see it as like futsal is a step to get to a good level of football, which I don't think it is. But at the same time, yeah, technically it's helped me so much because you're you're in a much tighter space. It's much quicker. And I think you've kind of got to you've got to be a bit more aware in terms of like counterattacks and getting back. You've always got to be getting back behind the ball, which is absolutely knackering, even though it's 20 minute halves. I think the first the first few matches I played, which was I'd taken a break from football at the time. So I was very unfit and I was honestly as red as a tomato when I came off the court. So it's helped me in terms of fitness, definitely in terms of technique. But the only thing I would say is that I think the coaches at Wickham get a bit sick of me trying to do stepovers past people. Because um, <laughs> that's something that lots of people do in futsal, but maybe not so much in football. And it must have been so frustrating for you and, and the whole team, really, because the, the way the, the season was going so well for you. And then it was uh, last season was kind of just sort of scrapped, really. And then it, yeah. it, it felt like you were coming back with the, the pandemic. You could certainly you know resume training under certain measures. And then the season started. And then th- now it's kind of stopped again it must be quite difficult to kind of yeah I mean so last season I'd actually signed for a different team I'm just gonna I'll I'll keep that on the down low but um (laughs) so I was with a team in Reading and then I re-signed with Wickham just because it wasn't working out um and I thought I thought it'd be good to come back home basically so I was actually only at the club I think I played like three games last season 
and then we went into lockdown so that was just yeah sort of like come back and then straight away it was taken away so that was really it's just disheartening and then this season we brought in some really good players and there was like a really positive vibe in the whole team and obviously last season we won we were pushing for promotion and then that was cancelled so this season then became right we need to push for promotion again and then again we only played I think three league games before it was called off and we still we're still in sort of a perpetual state of uncertainty as to whether it will be null and void and we had the FA Cup and there's a lot obviously we were unfortunately knocked out by Fulham but there were a lot of teams that are still technically in it but they again are waiting waiting to hear what's going to happen and it's just hard I mean it's hard to stay motivated when we put in so much work in training and then yeah we, we're just sort of stuck really um especially I mean there's some really good teams in our league so Bournemouth are in our league um Abingdon obviously us and we're all pushing to be at that next level and I think these two seasons if they are both if they both become null and void, there's just gonna it's gonna really mess up the results next season. We're gonna have teams sort of winning. I mean, this season we won a game nine one, which is I think quite an intense <laughs> intense scoreline. I don't think it's it's really very healthy for um, the league. Obviously, the most important thing is that people are safe and healthy, but it, it has been extremely frustrating. Because it seems quite strange, doesn't it? Because you had such a good run in the FA Cup, you already had a bit of a sort of backlog of fixtures and the teams had started the league already. Yeah, I think we were one of the last ones to get back to the league. And I was actually dual signed at the beginning of the season, so I was playing for a lower league team as well when Wickham didn't have games. And their league kicked off maybe two months before we did as well. So our league started late. And nearly all of the teams in our league had the FA Cup. So again, yeah, that pushed back fixtures. Yeah, and then we had obviously the lockdown in November, which we stopped for and then we came back. So yeah, only three fixtures from sort of September to now seems a bit a bit ridiculous. But um, yeah. Is there a feeling amongst the team that you might hopefully soon be able to get to back to some sort of competition or at least training? Well, I mean, we've got our, we've got our team WhatsApp. And uh, that's where we sort of voice our opinions. But we we kind of just have to wait and see what the FA says, unfortunately. I think there was a sort of consultation with clubs about what um, what they want to do. And from what I've seen sort of on social media from other clubs, is that a lot of people want to null and void this season and sort of rebuild ready for next season because it is becoming sort of untenable for clubs to come back and then stop again and come back and stop again. Obviously, it's going to be really disappointing for the girls, but there is some positivity. Like obviously, with every, with the vaccine um, rollout, we're hoping that we can come back as soon as possible and start training again, even if we're not playing matches. Um, I, I mean, I've just got my fingers crossed that pre-season will go ahead, but <laughs> that seems a bit pessimistic at the moment. But I'm just yeah, I just want to get back as soon as possible because there's only so much walking and running and home workouts that you can do, really. <laughs> and you must really miss the sort of the team aspect as well. Yeah, I mean, we've been having um, like Zoom meetings. Obviously, it's not the same. But yeah, as I said, we've, we've got a really, really group, good group of girls. It's probably one of the nicest dressing room like, atmospheres I've sort of experienced as a player. So yeah, we've got, our, we've got our WhatsApp group. We keep in touch that way. We do our Zoom meetings. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is no, it's not the same as being on the pitch and turning up to training and seeing everyone. 
And your media work as well is something that's really interesting, especially, you know, you've been reporting and following women's football uh, across Europe, but also helping out the, the, the Wickham Wanderers media team as well. We, we've had one of your interviews with Joe Jacobson on the show as well, which has been <laughs> fantastic. So, uh, no, it must be, must be really, must be really sort of fun part to do that as well. Yeah, it's great. I was pretty excited when um, Matt, sent, Matt Cecil this is, sent me a, a message at the beginning of the year just to say it would be good to get me along to some games to sort of help out. I mean, like, Wickham's been, as a player, it's been a big part of my life for the last 10 years. And as a club, obviously, I've, I've followed Wickham from League Two to now the Championship. So, yeah, really exciting. I mean, I've been writing about football for... Well, I don't know. Five years, maybe. Um, I've written for a few different sort of news, well, smaller news things. And then I I was with a company in Spain. But yeah, it's just really nice to be at the club. And um, especially at the moment, I feel really privileged to be involved because there's not many people that are. I mean, at our matches, there's a very small team of us um, there doing the media. And yeah, it's been really good. And I'm I'm really, really appreciative that the club's given me that opportunity. And I think as a player for the club myself, I guess I've kind of got a little, a special little insight, which potentially not everyone has. But yeah, it's been really good. Unfortunately, that some of the results haven't um, <laughs> haven't been as as positive as they could have been. But I think, yeah, it's, it's great. It must still be a really great time to be around the team. Obviously, there's the, the fantastic FA Cup games uh, and also some of the teams that, that we're facing in the Championship as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first game that I went to was the uh, an FA Cup game, the 4-1 win against Preston at home, which is actually quite funny because I went to university with the chairman of Preston's daughter. So <laughs> that was quite an interesting one. Um, <laughs> what a small yeah, world. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, that was obviously a pretty good start, a 4-1 win. And then we, ha- we had the draw for the, the next round. And I, I didn't have, I didn't have high hopes. I thought we, we, there were so many teams at that stage. You're, you're not like that likely to get a Premier League team, but there we are. We drew Tottenham, <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, really a great day. But like, yeah, it was just, it was just really exciting to be part of. It's quite funny when you get the team sheets with all of the sort of um, the staff on the um, Tottenham side, and then there's our tiny little team of Wickham media people, but. Yeah, really interesting. Obviously, the uh, scoreline didn't quite go um, our way, but it was a really good game. And I think people would have been pleasantly surprised by Wickham's performance in that. I know Gareth said after the game that it was sort of a 2-1 scoreline up until the 86th minute. And that's what we looked like we were were sort of, we were doing. Um, And we put Tottenham under a lot of pressure. So I think that was despite the scoreline, a really positive um, experience. I mean, some really good championship sides. Yeah, it's just, it's just great to be a part of it. Fantastic to uh, speak to you, Alicia, who, who's got the best of three worlds, really, a player, a fan, and also a sort of a, a, a commentate, media commentator as well. Uh, and a fantastic nickname as well, which I hope we're going to start seeing used on the, the club's <laughs> media. I hope that sticks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, a prediction a for Huddersfield? Show. I, I don't, oh, oh, no, well, don't don't you ask me predictions because uh, if you've listened to any of my predictions this season, <laughs> you'll know that I'm yet to get one right. Um, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a real surprise, and we're going to win three-one. Fantastic! That does sound yeah. good. I think a win's definitely coming, isn't it? Ochi, Admiral, and Bayo are going to score the goals. Wow! Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be the start of the of the amazing comeback. <laughs> uh, it's, it's happened before, isn't it, to other clubs? It, so, indeed, why not yes. with us? 
Yeah, we're, we're a bit like we talk about Torquay on the last day. We'll talk about going up to Huddersfield. 